0: Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Prue, and today we are on the Airwaves with team members from the Aircraft Servicing Branch, part of the Naval Air Warfare Center Aircraft Division Lakehurst, to continue our series on Mission Focus, What Does It Mean to You? Joining us today are Danielle Baldwin, Aircraft Servicing Branch Head, Yaya, Lead Hydraulics Engineer, and Todd Ternari, also a Hydraulics Engineer. Thank you all for joining us. So your team rapidly responded to a very urgent fleet need. But before we dive into the project, talk to me about your roles on the team.
1: Yes, hi, thanks, I'm Danielle Baldwin. I'm the Branch Head for the Aircraft Servicing Support Equipment Group. and In my group, we're responsible uh, for providing the technical expertise for the design, development, fielding, and in-service support of a multitude of aircraft servicing, common support equipment, and that includes the commodity areas of cryogenics, hydraulics, electrical, corrosion control, composite repair, shop equipment, and also a variety of aircrew system support equipment.
2: Hi, this is Asif. Uh, I'm the lead hydraulic common support equipment engineer. I'm responsible for the procurement and in-service engineering support of various hydraulic support equipment, such as the hydraulic power supplies and pneumatic leakage testers.
3: Uh, My name is Todd Tanari. I'm also a hydraulics engineer here in the Aircraft Servicing Branch. I also deal with in-service and acquisition for various components, one of which being the T-10 that I believe we're going to talk about today.
0: Okay, so let's hear about this project. You had to respond quickly to an urgent fleet need. What was the issue? How did the request come to Lakehurst? And how did your team respond, Asif?
2: Well, on a Friday afternoon last April, we received an email from the USS Iwo Jima, who was forward deployed at the time stating that their hydraulic component test stand, or what we call the T-10, was down. Now the T-10 is a test stand that the fleet uses to test and repair aircraft hydraulic and pneumatic components. This left the Iwo Jima non-mission capable bus. They could no longer service these aircraft components. We contacted our field reps who advised us that they were aware of the issue and had revisions to the calibration procedures. We were able to utilize our famous lab or what stands for fleet aviation maintenance organic support that very day and go over to the lab utilize our test stand that we have installed at our lab and verify the red lines for those procedures and then that same afternoon we were able to contact that contact at Iwajima and get their bench up and running
0: Todd what were the key factors that led to the success of this project
3: Well first and foremost would definitely be access to a T10 on base here we have several assets in our lab that uh, are also out in the fleet. So having access to them to have hands-on design input and uh, working knowledge of certainly helped us here. Another key factor would be the constant communication that we had with the fleet, the fleet leaders. Everyone was on the same page. Everyone understood what the goal was, what the issue was, what we needed to do to resolve it. And that certainly helped us get them a quick turnaround and a uh, final solution.
0: So early in our conversation, Asif mentioned the famous lab. What is the Fleet Aviation Maintenance Organic Support Lab, and how does it contribute to fleet sustainment? Danielle?
1: Well, our famous lab, and we're very fortunate to have this facility. What it does, it provides the fleet customer with rapid technical support and engineering solutions for all of our aviation support equipment through the on-site capability to test, troubleshoot, and develop the equipment all the capabilities here, it all contributes to sustainment. Um, one of the things we do is we can conduct on-site EIs, or engineering investigations, on any of our equipment. So rather than traveling out to the, the fleet location, we could bring it here, we could bring it in-house, and not only one engineer, but we can bring in multiple engineers, anyone on the team, if anyone from logistics or, or anywhere else in our IPT or integrated product team, they could all be part of that investigation if necessary. Also, we can use the lab space for prototyping efforts, or things related to engineering change proposals, or ECPs, and what those are often we need to do an ECP to address safety, reliability, or obsolescence issues with our gear, ultimately all to enhance the performance and prolong the usable life of our support equipment.
0: Talk to me about the power of relationships and collaboration internally at NAVAIR as well as with the fleet customer.
1: Yes, the relationships we develop are very important in everything that we do. It really adds to the efficiency of our team. So, first and foremost, with the fleet, with our customers, we truly have to understand what their requirements are, what their needs are, for when we're fielding new equipment, if we're fielding things to cover capability gaps or just to to give them some new and improved type of gear. Um, We also need them to understand that we're here for support, too, that they know who to go to when their equipment is down, if they need some help, we have our NATEC reps, our fleet technical representatives that are out in the field, so they talk with them a lot and then they talk with us on the engineering side. And of course, we're also in tune with our NATEC reps as well as the fleet. Again, all we want to make sure that they're always at the ready, that they have the products, they have the services, they have everything that they need to maintain their gear. Well, with respect to internally at Navair, uh, we work on IPTs, or Integrated Product Teams. We work across competencies. It's really important to understand who all the, the team players are, understand their roles, all essentially to, to be able to work effectively as a team. And there's other stakeholders. We already talked about the fleet, our type commanders, our calibration folks. Um, as you heard in, the, in the, the effort that Asif and Todd had worked, they already they had all the key players involved. They had the TICOMs on board, they had the calibration folks on the loop, because they've maintained those healthy relationships. So it's all really important to be able to deliver the best products out there to the field.
0: So, Asif, what would you say is the value of bringing the customer in early? And on the flip side, what are the opportunity cost of not including them up front?
2: Well, I'd say it's very valuable to bring the customer in early. Uh, The reason for that is we rely on our customer feedback to improve our products. It's a continuing process. We're always looking to improve our current products that we have out in the field. We're also looking to gather ideas on how we can improve the next generation of products. So really bringing the customer in early allows us to conduct a proper requirements analysis. Right? We want to make sure that we identify any capability gaps that are currently out there. On top of that, we also want to identify obsolescence issues with our current products, if there's components that we need to replace, that we need to worry about down the line on how we're going to replace them later on. It also allows us to minimize design changes down the road. That guarantees and ensures that we have the most minimal impact to cost and schedule.
0: So what kind of feedback did you get from the fleet customer? I assume it was rewarding. So how did this make you feel?
2: Well, they provided a very appreciative email saying that They were very happy that we were able to work together as a team and expedite the request to get the T10 up very quickly.
0: Now we've talked a lot about the positives, but what are some of the barriers you often face and, and how did you overcome
1: them? Danielle? Unfortunately, or fortunately enough with this particular case, no, we had everything here. We had access to the support equipment. We had all the stakeholders involved. However, that's not always the case because we do manage a lot of support equipment. We don't have it all here on site. We don't always have access to the gear. There are some times where if we need to get our hands on things, we're able to go to the other side of the joint base here, over to the FRC, over at Dix and McGuire, and we can work with the fleet personnel there if we need to do some kind of testing or troubleshooting or work with the gear. But again, that's not always the case. We don't always have access to that equipment. So that can be a barrier. But also... Yes, we do have the famous lab, but there are a lot of competing projects. So space is critical and we have to deal with competing project priorities and and how can we maximize use of that space. So sometimes that could be a little bit of a challenge. Um, And then also, there are things that we have to keep in mind as far as complying with safety and security and environmental type of regulations and policies here on the base. So, But we've been engaged with all the, the right folks, with all the key players to make sure that we can comply and that we don't let any of that impact our mission in getting the job done. Todd, if I were to ask you to list the three most important
0: attributes of a successful team, what would they be and why?
3: Well, first and foremost, I think anyone you ask would probably agree that communication is key. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what the overall goal is. Everyone knows what we have to do to get there. Secondly, I would say that a diverse skill set is, is helpful. We've all come from different backgrounds. Yes, a lot of us are technical in, in our career choices, but we have different auxiliary skill sets if you will, that help us to address a complex situation in maybe a unique and new way that no one else has thought of. That helps us have a quick turnaround time. It helps us figure out what is the best course of action, not just how we've done it. Maybe there's a new way to do it that is better and improved. And then lastly, I would say sharing the common goal. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but we are in a Mission to lines mindset here. We know that we are here to do whatever it takes to get the job done to support the fleet so they can do their jobs. No matter what it takes, that's what we're here for.
0: So when you hear the phrase mission focus, what does it mean to you?
1: Well, mission focus means we're actively working to deliver superior products and support to the Navy and Marine Corps fleet around the world to ensure that they have the capability to serve and protect our country. Specifically for us, which you heard a little bit about our commodity area with the aircraft servicing group, we're doing that day in and day out, whether it's the design and development of new gear to replace old legacy gear or just to fill capability gaps, or with respect to sustainment, it's providing that in-service support every day, and that's via phone, via email, VTC sometimes, or getting out there on-site to help the fleet customer. Danielle, what advice would you give other teams
0: responding to an urgent fleet need?
1: Well, open communication with the fleet, of course, is key. That's first and foremost. We have to maintain those open lines of communication. We also have to ask the questions to fully understand what's going on. What is that urgent need? Understand uh, what the impact is. Is is there an impact on readiness, flight operations, is a mission degrader? You know, truly understand what the issue is at hand and then get all key players engaged quickly. Get everyone that you need with their skill sets and, and from the various areas involved so you can tackle the issue. And really act with urgency. Again, understand what that means. We have to work faster, at a faster pace than our adversaries. And don't be afraid to take risks. As we all know, we're at a point in time where things are moving quickly. We cannot be afraid. We need to challenge the status quo and get things moving forward quickly. And again, remember why we're here. We're here to put out the best products and services for our men and women, for the the sailors and Marines around the world. We have to make sure that they have all the capabilities, all the equipment, everything that they need to truly serve and protect the country. Couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Well,
0: that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thank you all for joining us, and thank you all for listening.